A reading this morning's from Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 22. I'll be using the uh, modern English version. Now one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good deed shall I do to have eternal life? He replied to him, Why do you call me good? There is one who is good, but if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we gather around your throne this morning, we praise you, O Father, for the love you have for each and every one in this room. We thank you, Father, for the love you have that you sent your only Son, who came to earth and died for our sins. He gave his life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. What a great sacrifice that was. Father, we're so grateful to have all of our folks in the building today. And we want to pray for our BBS, Father. We ask you to strengthen these young people. Give them a courage to stand for you. As we walk this life, Father, we always need to stand up for you. In this life that we have on this earth. It's only for a short time. But Father, we know that you love us. You care about us, and you walk every day with us. We ask you in a special way, bring your message to this community as we bring these children into this building, as they go forth, Father, help us, help them, and watch over them as they're with us. We thank you so much for them being here today. We thank you for all our visitors today. And Father, we know that in an audience of this size, there may be somebody here today who needs to name your name, who needs to come forward, rededicate their life to Christ, or to become a Christian. If that happens today, we'll be so grateful, Father. But help us as we live our lives that we might demonstrate to this world that Christ is our King and that you are our God. We thank you for, for our country, this beautiful country that we live in, the freedoms we have to move from state to state, the freedom to live in a country that is mostly righteous. But, Father, we know we have failings. We have times in our lives where we make mistakes. We do and say things you're not pleased with. We ask you this morning to forgive us of those things. We ask you, Father, that as we think about what's going to happen in the next few days, 
that you'll send your Holy Spirit, that he'll open up the eyes of people around us and keep the Spirit in this building. And as we spread it out to the community, we ask you, Father, to continue to watch over all of us as we walk this life. We thank you for our family, the family that worships here and the one in Alabama and all around the world. And we thank you for each one. We ask you to be with those that are sick, some I've been mentioned this morning. Father, all of us, all of us have frailties. All of us have things that we're dealing with. But Father, we know that you're with us right now. And you can help us. And we ask for it. We ask you, Father, continue to watch over our elders, our deacons, our ministers. Watch over each and every person who's in this building today. Father, we want to ask you now as we continue the song service that Jacob will lead us. Give us a spirit, Father, and bring your spirit into this building that we might sing out the great and beautiful things that Christ has in store for all of us at the end of this life. Go with us now, Father, and we thank you so much for the love you have for all of us. In Christ's name, amen. Our next song is also on the PowerPoint only, You Are My All in All. Carter, if we could skip ahead a couple of slides. One more. One more. One more. There we go. Okay. So this song does start out with the chorus. Um, it's a little bit different of the version of the one that we have in the book. Um, but when we get to the part where we go into the verses, um, ladies, I'm going to stick with you. Um, and then if you'll notice here, um, there, there's a half measure. So men, when it says Jesus, so Men will sing G, and then ladies come in right after that, taking, taking my, and so it's one, two, three, four, G, taking, it's just one, one beat after the next, okay? So we don't start at the same time, but we'll end at the same time, all right? And then when we go to the next verse, uh, we'll flip it, and then the ladies will sing uh, Jesus, Lamb of God, uh, worthy is your name, and the men will sing the verse, all right? All right, so if we'll go back to the beginning, Carter. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy Precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You're my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, 
Next song will also be on the PowerPoint only. I will wait for you. If you would, please stand while we sing. I pray my soul waits for the Lord. My hope is in His Word. More than the watchman waits for dawn. Waits for the Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you. In darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew. And hear my cry for mercy, Lord. Were you to count my sinful ways, how could I come before your throne? Yet full forgiveness, (coughs) I stand redeemed by grace alone. I will wait for you, I will wait for you on your word I will rely I will wait for you I early wait for you till my soul is satisfied so put your hope in God alone take courage in his power to save Completely and forever one By Christ emerging from the grave I will wait for you I will wait for you On your word I will rely I will wait for you Surely wait for you Till my soul is satisfied. Now he has come to make a way. (coughs) That all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. I will wait for you, I will wait for you, on your word, I will rely, I will wait for you, surely wait for you, till my soul is satisfied, I will wait for you, I will wait for you, through the storm. And through the night, I will wait for you, surely wait for you, for your love is my delight, for your love is my delight. Please be seated.
Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be together to worship our awesome God. Jay family, it's good to see you. Love you. Good, always good for us to be together. Madison family, thank you for being here. Uh, we appreciate you and we love you and look forward to this uh, week that's coming up. We are continuing our series uh, today, Who is This Lord We Love? And let me just go ahead and get the lesson out of the way. This is what you need to know about what we're talking about this morning. Who is this Lord we love? Who is this Lord that we as Christians have dedicated our lives to follow? He is a Lord who wants to be Lord over every aspect of your life. He doesn't want to just be your Lord here in this building. He doesn't want to just be your Lord when you're having a family devotional, when you're at a youth rally, during a gospel meeting. He wants to be the Lord every day of your life and over every aspect of your life. This morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll be there just in a a minute. Uh, Mark chapter 10, we're going to be introduced in Mark 10 and a few other places to about four individuals. And what's going to happen here is because Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life, the Lord of every aspect of your life, in some form or fashion with these four individuals we'll meet this morning, Jesus is going to mess with our money. Yes, Jesus is going to mess with our money. Last week we talked about how Jesus messes with our marriages. He cares about marriages and he cares about how we ought to live and love one another in our marriages. And today we're going to talk about something else that's tough to deal with sometimes. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your money. And we'll use that and we'll talk specifically about that in some ways with these four individuals. But realize and use this more importantly to realize whatever it is in your life, Jesus wants to be in charge of whatever it is. Jesus wants to be in charge of you when you're at school. Jesus wants to be in charge of you when you're at work. Husbands, Jesus wants to be in charge of your life as you lead your family. Wives, as you uh, raise your children and as you have your jobs and the things in your life, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Kids, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life and your families and at school and wherever else you might go. Jesus doesn't want to just be Lord of your life here in this place. As a matter of fact, he demands to be the Lord of every aspect of our life. Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, we'll start in verses 17 through 22. It's the parallel passage that was read to us earlier in in Matthew chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible already, uh, go ahead and grab one of those on the back of the pew in front of you, those black books on the pew in front of you, and Mark chapter 10 starts on page 846. Let's read our Bibles together. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want to stop there for just a second and make a couple of points. Uh, Jesus is going to make the point about why do you call me good? No one's good except for God alone. We can learn from that that it is God who defines what good is. That's an important lesson that doesn't really apply to what we're talking about. But remember that. God is the one who defines what is good. But it says that he sets out on a journey. And in this journey, we're gonna, he's going to start in, in upper, uh, Jeru- or not upper Jerusalem, but upper Israel. And he's traveling down. He's going to make a stop at Jericho. And eventually, he's going to make it to Jerusalem. Now, that's important. We've been talking about this summer, going through about who this, this Lord we love, and thinking about the gospel of Mark. And we've seen Jesus travel here and there across the Sea of Galilee a lot, up and down the coast. He's been all over the place. But this is Jesus' last journey. He's going to end in Jerusalem. His life is going to end in Jerusalem. So when it says there, almost, again, nonchalantly, seemingly benign, he sets out on a journey. This is the journey. This is the journey that will end on the cross. Or at least that's where people think that it ends. So notice the significance of what's happening as he sets out 
on this important journey. This man asked him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And in verse 18, he says, why do you call me good? No one's good except for God alone. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witnesses, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. I'm always impressed by Jesus' compassion, by Jesus' love, by Jesus' feelings towards people. And he has just met this man seemingly, and he has a love for him. One thing you lack, Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But at these words, he, the ruler, was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. We know this man probably as the the rich young ruler. Certainly that probably is a a good name for him. He's a rich man. He's young. And we would assume that he is a ruler because of that. And and he doesn't, he's an interesting character to study. Because if you think about someone who you would want to talk to about spiritual things, the rich young ruler would be that man. He's, he's a good guy. This is a guy you'd want to have as a friend. This is a guy you'd want to have as a boss. This, if he's a ruler, this is a guy you'd want to have as, as your ruler. You'd want to be a servant under this man. He's, he's kept the commandments from his youth. He grew up good and he continues to be a good man. He comes to Jesus and asks a good question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do to go to heaven? That's a good question to ask. And Jesus answers him and tells him. And he says, I've done all of those things. And Jesus says, there's just one thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and come follow me. This morning, we're going to answer three questions. What do you value? What do you trust in? And what are you impressed by? What do you value? What do you trust in? And what are you impressed by? This rich young ruler seems to value, at the end of this story, he seems to value his money more than he values Jesus. He seems to trust in his money more than he values Jesus. In Matthew's account, he, he looks even worse than in Mark's account. You'll remember, as was read to us earlier, starting in Matthew, 15, sorry, Matthew 19, verse 15, he says, what do I have to do to obtain? And I want you to hear that. What do I have to do to obtain? Verse 20, what am I still lacking? And he goes away saddened because he owns much. It's very, in Matthew's account especially, it's very transactional. What do I have to do to obtain? You've got this thing that I want. What can I pay you for it? You got this thing that I'm interested in. What I have, I have an unlimited resources, he might think. What do I have to do to, to get that? What am I still lacking? Okay, well, I've got that. I've got all these things. What do I still need? How do I get it? It's very transactional. And in the end, it seems as if, in his mind, perhaps as a businessman, maybe that's why he's rich, that he says, well, that's not a good enough deal for me. So he goes away saddened. He wanted it. He wanted eternal life. He wanted this, this treasure that he, he valued, but he valued his own riches. He valued his own treasure more than that. On this journey that Jesus is on, after he meets this rich young ruler, as he sets out on this journey, the journey seems to, to end in Jericho. If you look at Mark's account and Matthew's account, that seems to be where, where it ends before he gets to Jerusalem. He at least goes through Jericho. He heals some people there, and he meets another man who's also rich. And you remember this man, you remember Jericho because we think about the walls that are torn down, but we want to think about a man who climbed up, and you already know who I'm thinking about, right? The wee little man, a wee little man was he, Zacchaeus. He's a rich man because he's a tax collector, and the the tax collectors have a terrible reputation in the first century. The Jews hate them uh, because they're working for the Roman government, and most of them 
Probably were, but certainly all of them had the reputation of being thieves, where they taxed people more than they really should have been taxed, and they used that extra money to pad their own pockets. So Zacchaeus is a rich man, and he's interested in Jesus. We don't know exactly why he's interested in Jesus. Maybe it's the novelty. Maybe he just wants to see this man that everybody is coming to see, but he wants to see him so bad. Again, he's a short man, so he goes where the crowd is. He hears Jesus is coming. He goes where the crowd is, and he's probably trying to get a front row uh, seat or stand because he, he can't see anybody. But remember, he's a tax collector, so nobody likes him. So when he gets there, he's late. There's all these people who are taller than him in front. If he says, excuse me, you know what they're going to say? No. They don't like him. He's a tax collector. They're going to say, get out of here. And so he does. And he goes and finds a tree. And he climbs up in it. And just think about the, the ridiculousness of that picture. And Jesus is walking along and there's all these people on either side of the road, you know, trying to touch him, you know, treating him like he's a celebrity. And then there's this, this grown man, this adult man, climbed up in a tree looking to see him. But what does Jesus say? Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. And he does that, and, and as, he, as he's going along, it seems, even before he gets to the house, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and maybe other religious folks are beginning to grumble and say, why is Jesus spending time with that guy? We don't like that guy. He's a tax collector. He's, he's a sinner. He's a thief. Why is Jesus hanging out with that guy? And it seems like Zacchaeus hears it because they don't really care if Zacchaeus hears it. They're not trying to, to hide it, that they don't like him. And he turns around and he says to Jesus, Jesus... I'm going to give up to half of my possessions to feed the poor. And if I've ever wronged anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times what I wronged them. And what's Jesus' response? Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, a rich man, maybe he was a thief. But repentance is brought into his life. He changes his life. So unlike this rich young ruler that looked like he would be a good target to talk to about spiritual things, but then at the end of it, it seems like he values his, his treasure over the treasure of Jesus. There's this other guy who no one would ever talk to him about spiritual things. He's betrayed his own people, the Jews. He's probably a thief. I don't know how long it's been since Zacchaeus has been to the synagogue or the temple. Probably been a while. No one would go to Zacchaeus to talk to you about spiritual things. But he's the one who is so impressed by Jesus, who values Jesus so much, who trusts in Jesus so much that he says, I'm going to give up to half of my possessions to feed the poor and I'll pay, I'll wrong, I'll fix the wrongs that I've made. I'll right those things. And we're impressed by Zacchaeus. And we, we're impressed by the fact that Jesus says salvation has come to this house today. What else are we impressed by? Look to Mark chapter 10. Let's look, go back to verses 23 through 27. Here again, as we're talking about, we're still at the scene of the rich young ruler, uh, and we see that the he goes away saddened because he has much wealth. Let's read verses uh, 23 through 27. And Jesus, after the rich man has left, Jesus looking around said to his disciples, probably Peter and Andrew and James and John, all the apostles and many more, he says, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words why were the disciples amazed at his words but jesus answered again and said to them children how hard is it to enter the kingdom of god it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and they were even more astonished and said to him then who can be saved looking at them jesus said with people it is impossible but not with god for all things are possible 
with God. Now, we, get, we need to stop and think about here. Why are the disciples, why are the, uh, the apostles, why are they so perplexed about what Jesus is saying here? He says it's going to be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be really hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why are they so shocked by that? Why are they amazed and astounded, as the Bible tells us? Well, it's because they had, maybe like sometimes we have, even though we wouldn't say it, They had an idea that if you're blessed here on this earth, you must be living right with God. That there was a direct correlation between your relationship with God and your physical blessings. That what that means is if you were rich, you must have been a righteous person. And if you were poor, maybe you weren't a righteous person. Especially the Sadducees, they, they believe this. Remember the Sadducees, they're sad, you see, because they don't believe in a resurrection. They believe that this life is all there is. And because they believe that this life is all there is, they, they equate wealth or power or privilege and that the success that you achieve in this life with how your relationship is with God. And Jesus is saying here, that's not the way it is. Jesus is saying here, I want to be the Lord of every aspect of your life, even the Lord of your money. That's why he tells the rich young ruler, go and sell all your possessions. That's why he's impressed by Zacchaeus, who doesn't give up all of his possessions, we notice, but he's willing to give up up to half and fix the wrongs and right the wrongs that he's had, he's had in his life. He's impressed by those things. What else is Jesus impressed by? Turn over to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark 12, 41 through 44. Let's read an, meet another individual here that Jesus is impressed by. So Jesus now has entered into Jerusalem. That's that triumphal entry that we think about a lot. He is in the last week of his life at this point. And he's going in and he's already flipped the tables of the money changers and he's already been teaching and preaching in Jerusalem as he approaches his death. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees are already plotting about how they're going to kill him. In the midst of all of this, he takes the time to set up himself uh, to the side of the temple and to watch people. Notice what it says in verse 41, Mark 12, 41. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. What is going on in the last week of Jesus' life? We're building up to a very important Jewish festival, the Passover, right? And you'll remember that there are people from all over the Mediterranean, all over the known world at that time, Jews who have come back to Jerusalem. And there's no doubt that when Jesus is looking at these rich people who are putting in large sums of money, there's no doubt that there are some of them that have perhaps have been saving the entire year for their temple donation. And they're putting in big money. They're writing big checks. And some of them, perhaps are doing it for a purpose, not only because they want to give to God, but because they want you to see them. Look at this big check that I'm writing. Look at this large sum of coins that I'm putting in to the treasury. And Jesus sees them, and they're putting in tons of money. Verse 43. Jesus is standing there, and he's watching. But then he calls his disciples over to him and says to them, Because of verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And then he calls his disciples to him and says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty. And all that she had, all that she had to live on. What do you value? What do you trust in? What are you impressed by? Jesus doesn't say anything about the people who put in large sums of money. 
he says something about the one who puts in what we would consider to be almost nothing. And he's impressed by her. Because unlike the others who put in out of their surplus, they, they bought everything they needed. They probably bought some things that they wanted. And then out of their surplus, whatever they had left over, they gave to the temple. They gave to God. But she puts in all that she has. Now this is not condemnation to those, those rich people who are putting in lar- large sums of money. It's commentary. Jesus is saying, look, this is, this is what you should really be impressed by. Yes, those are large numbers. Yes, that's a, that's a lot of gold coins. Yes, we can, we can look at that and we can realize that that's a, that's a big amount. But Jesus says, I'm not impressed by that. You know why Jesus isn't impressed by that? You know why Jesus isn't impressed by your money? By your talents? By your abilities? By anything that you have? Because he's the one that gave it to you. So he's not impressed by that. He's impressed by what you do with it. And this poor widow gave you all that she had. She was fully valuing and trusting God. And Jesus was impressed by that. The question for us today is, what do we value? What do we trust in? What do our actions show God? And is God impressed or pleased or happy with the things that we're doing. You know, one day I, I hope that uh, I get to meet Zacchaeus in heaven. I'm going to ask him about that sycamore tree. I want to see how tall he is, right? How tall was Zacchaeus? Can you imagine the joy that that widow will have when she's reunited with her husband in heaven? I hope I get to see that. I hope I get to see that joy on her face. I hope that the rich young ruler will be there too. Because notice, it says that he, he went away grieving, or he went away gloomy because he had much wealth. But what did Jesus tell him to do? Jesus told him to go, right? So maybe he's sad, maybe he's gloomy, maybe he's struggling, but it's my hope that he goes back home and that he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. I hope that happened, don't you? I hope that if Jesus had lived maybe a little bit longer, that that rich young ruler would have come back to Jesus and Jesus would have smiled when he saw him and say, I knew you'd be back. I knew you'd come to follow me. I hope that maybe Peter or James or John or one of the other apostles sees that rich young ruler and come back and want to be a Christian. I hope that rich young ruler heard about just a few days after he met Jesus that Jesus died on the cross. And I hope that three days later he heard about him raising from the dead. I hope that I'll see the rich young ruler in heaven. What are you struggling with? What are you trusting in? What are you holding on to that's keeping you from following Jesus? If you had an opportunity to talk with him today, what would he say? Go and get rid of that. Stop valuing that. Stop trusting in that. And come follow me. Go back to Mark chapter 10. Let's read verses 28 through 30. After the rich young ruler has gone away, after Jesus has explained to them that it's going to be hard for rich people to to go into the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be hard for people who trust in, listen, it's going to be hard for people who trust in anything more than God to enter the kingdom of heaven. You might could say it's going to be impossible for anyone who trusts in anything more than God to go into heaven. This is what Peter's response is in verse 28. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, 
There is no one in the first century or the 21st century, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, I don't know about that guy. Maybe he'll come back one day. Maybe he's going and he's going to get rid of all that stuff just like you told him. But we have already left everything. Peter, Jesus, you remember when you called me and Andrew out of the boat that we left everything. We left our, our, our boat there, our nets there. We left everything. You know, James and John, they even left their own dad. We've, we've left everything for you, Jesus. And it seems as if there's this question in the back of his mind that he doesn't voice. Is it going to be worth it? And Jesus says, yes. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it in this life. You'll gain a family like you've never had before. People who love you and care about you and want to be here for you. God will provide you all the things that you need. Maybe not all the things the world would have you want. And yeah, there'll be some difficulties. There'll be some persecutions. But in the end, the question that the rich young ruler said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? If you follow me, you'll get it. Last point this morning. I think the rich young ruler asked a good question. I don't think he asked the best question. He asked, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He was interested in heaven. What's Jesus' answer? Go and get rid of everything and come follow me. I think a lot of people today, maybe even some of us, want heaven, want eternal life, but we're less interested in having a Lord of our life. And again, not just the Lord of our life on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but Lord of every aspect and every day of our lives. Maybe a question you could ask yourself is, Jesus, what do I have to do to follow you? And Jesus answers that in his word. If you believe this morning that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God, if you'll confess him as Lord and understand that he's the Lord of your life, If you'll submit to baptism where all your sins can be washed away, then Jesus will be your Lord. And you'll follow him, and you won't do it perfectly. You'll mess up, and you'll fail. You'll say things you shouldn't say. You'll think thoughts you shouldn't think. You'll do things you shouldn't do. And he'll still be the Lord of your life. He'll invite you to repent of those things, to to ask for forgiveness, and to trust that he has forgiven you. Brothers and sisters, are you a Christian this morning? And what I mean by that is, do you follow Jesus every day? That's what his expectation for you is. I know that's what you want to do. I trust that's what you want to do. Are you struggling with that? Then please know your family here is here to help you. Not to judge you, not to look down on you, but to say, hey, I'm right there with you. We want to help you however we can. If you're a Christian this morning that's struggling, so am I. Let's keep struggling up the mountain all the way to heaven. If you're not a Christian this morning, God came and died for you so that you could have real life, life worth living. Yes, you'll have to give up some things, but the things that you gain will be worth far more. What do you value? What do you trust in? What are you impressed by? I'm impressed that God left heaven, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and rose again. And he did that for us. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.